The 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Visit dundeal.ie today to start the search for your next car. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, 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 Magic! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly with the 42. It's Gavin Casey with you here to look ahead to a massive URC weekend. We've got our first interpro between Connacht and Ulster to top it all off. And joining me to chat about those games and anything else that's going on, really, is Kieran Kennedy of the 42, who joins us on his day off. That's dedication. Kieran. appreciate it. Great to see you. How are you doing? I'm good, yeah. I'm good. Um, yeah, stepping up in the day off. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm uh, I'm actually I'm looking forward to the chat because it, there was a bit of a come down coming back from the World Cup. But uh, like actually when you kind of get back into the normal swing of things, I think this is a pretty exciting time of the year from a journalist's perspective because it gives you a chance to talk about different players and just different stories because we spend so much of the year talking about kind of the same old faces that it's kind of refreshing and I suppose energizing to talk about a few different guys coming through and when you look at the team sheets that came out a bit earlier today there's there's lots of interest and little um plots there so no yeah looking forward to the chat we spoke about this earlier in the week you and I just that element of a come down after world cup and I think you got some Leinster media schedules sent through in the direct aftermath of a World Cup game, for example, and it brings you back down to earth pretty quickly. And you would suspect that there would be a hangover, even though we very much enjoyed the URC. But actually, I found once those teams were named at midday today, I was buzzing for it again. And I've enjoyed the game so far over the last couple of rounds as well, but maybe just the World Cup being in the rear view now kind of crystallised it with the teams being named today. A couple of internationals returning uh, to some of the teams as well. And I don't know, I didn't think the transition would be this easy. Maybe that's a testament to the fact that the URC is now a competition that is genuinely interesting, which, as much as it's subjective, I'm not sure everybody would have said about the Pro 14 before it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's 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 an exciting league and you're at a stage now where you feel like there is something to play for every week. And and of course, it helps that the World Cup is in the rearview mirror now and you can kind of just fully focus on this. But I think as well, it's that... Like if you're if you're a supporter of one of the provinces and you're looking at your team sheet this week, you you are seeing different faces and new guys coming through and like as a supporter, that's that's really exciting. I think it would be different if we kind of went straight back in and it was, you know, very familiar looking Leinster and Munster teams and it was just kind of right back into the swing of things. But it just feels a little bit different. And no, yeah, I think it's like you say, it's been a good start to the to the league. Some of the games have been really exciting. We've seen different guys step up and and play big important roles and kind of take their chance so um yeah like it feels like this is a big weekend with the first interpro and from here on in like it's not that long until we've got champions cup back and i thought it would be a slow start to the season but it does feel like it's kind of ticking along already thank god (laughs) yeah connacht ulster is the headline fixture from an irish perspective and maybe across the league really given both of those teams form Coming into this week three clash at the sports ground, Jack Cardy is back for Connacht in the ten in the ten shirt. JJ Hanron is ruled out with a minor injury. I'm led to believe it's not going to be one that keeps him out for long. So David Hawkshaw could deputise at ten off the bench. That would be his first appearance of the season. You've Oshin Dowling and Connor Oliver coming into Pete Wilkins starting fifteen as well. 
the Ulster team is probably a little bit more interesting just because of the number of changes they've been forced to make and the fact that you have a couple of debuts there as well, Kieran, more than a couple actually, in terms of competitive rugby at least. And probably the big debut, if you like, is Ruben Crothers because he's a name with with which a lot of people would be familiar from his captaining stint of the Ireland under-20s during their 2022 Grand Slam campaign. Really talented back row. He starts at open side. And I guess a, another call that will be very much of interest to Ulster fans is the fact that Jake Flannery gets the nod at out half. He starts with Billy Burns on the bench. So a good bit to chat about on the Ulster side of things. We'll chat about Connacht as well for sure. Just an interesting looking team kind of pertaining to what you're saying about new faces and that little generation of excitement. Yeah, that's it. It's, it there's new combinations there and there's guys coming in who've kind of been on the radar for a while who we've been waiting to see kind of take that next step. And Crothers is, is an interesting one. I was actually about half an hour ago was to just put up a short video with him talking about looking forward to his debut and the man could not look more relaxed. He's kind of leaning over a over a railing at the side of the pitch and just like, ah, yeah, you know, it's big weekend. Hopefully we get to win, but it doesn't look too phased. And, you know, that's what stood out to me watching him playing for the under 20s during that Grand Slam run in 2022. I ended up kind of covering that team quite closely that year. And he was definitely just a guy who really stood out. And he's had a, it's an interesting enough route to get here because he's a guy who missed a lot of rugby through COVID as so many players in his kind of age bracket did. So there was a little bit of playing catch up, I guess. But yeah, he was captain of that under 20s team um, who actually seemed to be out in force this weekend as you go through the team sheets. But um, there was a real maturity about him when he was playing for for the under 20s and a real composure that stood out in in the way he played and and he was tough like he was really there was a steeliness to him he played he actually played every minute of that Grand Slam campaign so he's a guy that's been highly rated coming up the ranks this is the next step and it'll be really interesting to see how he handles that next step but obviously with under 20s you know not you know that not everybody is going to make it but he was certainly a fellow who you expected right we're going to see this guy in an Ulster shirt somewhere down the line Flannery as well like Another guy we've been kind of waiting to get to get a good look at. The decision to move away from Munster and, and go up to Ulster and back himself to just get more game time up there was was a huge one for a young guy to make. Um, he's got his chance now. And again, he's just a really exciting prospect. His his vision is great. There's a real kind of composure in the way he carries himself on the pitch. Doesn't look like a guy who gets phased too easily. So like it's a tough start to go down to the sports ground and, and, and make an impact in, a, in, a, in an Interpro, but... These are guys who have shown a bit of composure, I guess, coming up. And yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they go. But if you're an Ulster fan, it's it's exciting to see two guys with so much potential coming through. Yeah, it's a proper baptism of fire as well. Galway's going to be absolutely packed. And you have Crothers making his debut. As you say, he seems unfazed. But it's really backing a guy to say, we're going to start you at open side against an informed Connacht team on their turf. And the same with Flannery. You mentioned that he backed himself to go up and get more game time. And actually last season, as it transpired or the more it transpired, the more I thought that decision isn't really going to pay off for him because it felt as though at times they would, even in the event that Burns was unavailable, they'd find somebody else to play out half or he just wasn't really getting what most people believe would have been a a good crack of the whip there. But clearly there was a little bit of speculation over the summer that he might even rejoin Munster because of the departure of Ben Healy. Clearly Ulster have said to him, no, like we do believe in you. And that is evident, demonstrably so, in his starting in Galway. Just on that Connacht team, it's a little bit more settled 
Kieran, right? Like Ulster are definitely more plagued by injury to begin with and also by um, a couple more international absentees after the World Cup. But for them to have Carty back and adding him into a team that's been flowing pretty nicely under JJ Hanron's stewardship and in pretty good form is a serious boon as well. And like we've probably had it in the past where Connacht have promised like promised on paper but had difficult starts of the season and have had to play catch-up including last season they're flying it at the moment and you know not far off a full-strength team maybe this is going to be a different story for them this season where it's not necessarily a a case of having to catch up but more so just leading off the front foot and and taking it to the rest of the league yeah it's tempting to think that isn't it because it feels like exciting times at Connacht and I think this is actually Connacht's best start to a domestic season since the 2014-15 season and going and winning their first two games. And as you touched on, if you think back to last season where they had that really difficult start, they go and lose four of their opening five fixtures. So straight away, you're just chasing things for the rest of the season. The pressure is kind of already building. Also, you think back to the last time they had lost a coach who had made such a big impact on the club, like the Kieran Keane season after Pat Lamb was just so flat and forgettable. Andy Friend is gone now and it's different with Pete Wilkins because he was obviously already embedded in that group for a while and he's done great work in Connacht already. But there's so much change in that Connacht coaching team like Scott Fardy is in, Mark Sexton has come in, John Muldoon has come back and for the most part these are promising coaches who are largely unproven at this level. So you know it it wasn't hard to envision things maybe taking a while to get going for Connacht but God they just look to have come together already and gelled on the pitch and they've hit the ground running you look at someone like Kyle Ford and the impact he's made across those first two games another guy who who kind of got his chance last year but looks ready to kind of just kick on and push on again like the way he's he like he had a bad mistake at the start of the game last week just kind of seemed to shrug it off and by the end of the 80 minutes he's he's player of the match he's he's kicking four from four off the tees jumping into a scrum when needed and you know all of that stuff to me always looks like these are guys who just feel, um, I guess, empowered and confident by by their coaches. And there's there's a level of trust that I guess goes into performing like that. Like JJ Hanrahan has come in and just looks like the perfect fit, really. He he misses out, but Jack Harty, as you say, back in there. And like that's huge. And he's slotting into a winning team and, and a team that's playing really good rugby. Um, I think Connacht will have too much for us this week because of the way those team selections have gone, there's just a bit more cohesion to that Connacht team. There's a bit more familiarity with some of the combinations. There's a bit more experience there as well. But it's still, when you look through it all, it's still a quite quite a young Connacht team. And there's a lot of players there who you would think, you know, their best years are, are still ahead of them. So yeah, if they can keep this run going and if they can win at the weekend, considering the amount of change they've gone through, it's 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 it leaves them in a really nice place. The 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Visit dundeal.ie today to start the search for your next car. Yeah, on the Ulster side of things, you have James French making his first competitive start as well in the front row. And you've got Joe Hopes, who is set to make his debut off the bench, an academy lock. You fancy Connacht in that one. Just to take you back to Carl Ford for a minute to satisfy my own curiosity as much as anything. Is he an Ireland player for you at some point because uh, I would have him in that bracket that Stuart McCloskey was in for a while and probably Jamie Osborne might be in now James Hume a couple of those guys where you think if we weren't so well stocked in midfield as a national team 
this guy would be very firmly in the conversation. He's still only 21 as well. So you can imagine if he kicks on this year, he actually will very much be in the conversation. Is that in his future, to your mind, a call-up? It is if he keeps playing the way he's playing. Um, and, you know, he's not a guy that's just dropped in and put in a couple of good performances. When he got that run in the team last year, he was a really important player for Connacht. And if he can build on what he's doing at the moment, he looks like he has the potential to be a really important player in the years ahead. He's just got a nice, I think, balance to his game. You know, as a, as we touched on there, like he's he's able to kick. He's got that in his locker. He's... He's really athletic. He just looks strong on the ball. He looks strong in the carry. And defensively, he just seems to have the kind of... To have a good reading of the game and just the smarts to kind of keep himself in the right position. I've been really impressed with some of his work defensively. And yeah, as you say, like he's he's very young. So, you know, maybe Ireland is, is a bit ahead of him yet. But if he can build on the way he started this season, I mean, you're automatically just going to put yourself into that into that conversation for sure. What a sass, uh, What a sense of satisfaction uh, that Connacht must have in having Bundyaki tied down for another couple of years, but to not really have to go looking for an answer to the question as to what comes after one of the best 12s in the world departing in a couple of years' time or, or whenever he does decide to retire Bundy, to really have that answer set out in front of you is, uh, is nice going. Uh, the 42 Rugby Weekly is sponsored by Dundeal Motors, Ireland's favourite and number one car site with the largest range of premium cars in the country, including brand new cars, electric cars and premium used. Interesting selection by Munster as well, Kieran. We'll start with out half there because much of the discussion this week in the media has been asked to or has regarded who would step up in the absence of Joey Carberry. He's going to go for surgery on his wrist next week, which is a real balls for him because he's been going well. Uh, well, certainly he went well in the first game. Second game in Benetton was, I think, a bit of a write-off for Munster. They did well to get anything out of it. But they've gone with Tony Butler, and it's uh, a bit of a theme in this selection in that you've got two former hurling underage stars, inter-county hurling uh, underage stars in, in Butler and Ben O'Connor, who we'll come on to in a moment. But I wanted to get your thoughts on that Butler selection and some of the discourse around it so far this week, Kieran, because my interpretation of it all along really would have been that you've got a guy who you've backed for a couple of years in the academy. He's still there. He's obviously a good player. He plays out half and you're playing the Dragons at home. Why are we talking about Antoine Frisch, who incidentally isn't in the matchday squad, so hopefully he's not injured, or Rory Scannell starting at 10 when you actually have a 10 available to you? I thought it was a little bit disrespectful to Butler, in all honesty. Yeah, I can understand it to a degree because obviously he's unproven at this level and he's only just coming through. But I think, like, for me, if you're a Munster fan and you were to look at that team sheet, I don't know how you would feel anything other than excitement. And, like, you look at last season and this is what Graham Rowntree has done so well. He's backed young players right from the start like they had a tough start to last season trying to bring some new guys through but it paid off in the long run didn't it and you look at that squad now there's seven academy players in the 23 tomorrow like I think if you're a Munster supporter that's that's great to see and Butler's a really interesting player he's had an interesting rise through the ranks for for people who maybe don't know he came through at NSR FC played a bit of AIL with Gary Owen he had a Munster A debut back in 2021 and then that December He's one of the 12 lads who makes their senior debut in that memorable Champions Cup game over in Wasps. Another player who was on that Ireland under-20 squad in the Grand Slam in 2022, and he was he was an important part of that squad. I think he came off the bench in every single game. But yeah, like 
this is the part I love. I'm always interested in in lads who have a multi-sport background. And and Butler played minor hurling with Clare and won a Hearty Cup at St. Flannan's in 2020. So, I mean, straight away, I'm on board. If you have a talented hurler playing out half, I'm automatically thinking vision. I'm thinking quick reactions. You know he's going to be tough as well. So it's a huge opportunity for him. And it's such a, it feels like such a great round three decision to me because, yeah, he backs young players. And it's not tokenism. Like, these guys are making an impact when when they get their chances and you can see that Roundtree and the coaches believe in them and there's evidence of that throughout this team tomorrow like Edwin Adogbo has had a superb start to the season like he was just everywhere against the Sharks he doesn't turn 21 until December you look at Tom Ahern beside him in the second row like what a prospect he is and you see those two young players together and their potential and their age profile and you're thinking right if things go to plan here like that could be a second row combination that we're going to see a lot of for the next 10 years Alex Candelan starts again he's another guy with bags of potential like you've got Ruan Quinn and Brian Gleeson on the bench you'd almost overlook the fact that Jack Crowley's still only 23 because of everything he's already achieved so I mean as URC champions like what a great place to be in you've, you've got a trophy on the shelf and you've all these guys coming through her are only really scratching the surface of what they can be. So, yeah, I mean, if I was a Munster fan heading along to Musgrave Park tomorrow, I think I'd be jumping out of bed in the morning. Yeah, Craig Casey starts at nine. He's got back from Ireland duty. And then you have Crowley, as you mentioned, who's on the bench. And some people might interpret that as something of a security blanket for Tony Butler. Tony Butler played wing back for Clare when he was a hurler. Like, I think he's going to be all right. Uh but, I, you know, just to touch upon, well, to carry on from the point you're making, when I spoke with Graham Rowntree for an interview recently, he was quite adamant about bringing through young players. And he mentioned that basically if you're good enough, you're old enough. You can see that in, in that team selection there. And I just wanted to touch upon Ben O'Connor, who is a guy who I've seen play Monster Schools rugby over the last couple of years for Prez. Um through gritted teeth and, and from behind my fingers because I went to Prez's rival school so I usually would have been rooting against him when I watched him but he played full back for that Prez team won a senior cup just this year he only turned 19 in August and to add to the fact that he captained the Cork Miners to an All-Ireland in 2021 and won his uh, second All-Ireland at under 20 level uh, five months ago to the day tomorrow actually when he'll make his monster debut he did things on the field in schools rugby that I hadn't seen in an awfully long time. Just those little moments where you would actually find yourself having to double take. Like in the final against Christians, I remember he kind of pounced on a loose ball and did like a head over heel kind of a tumble and offloaded from within the tumble to set up a try. Like it was outrageous. And I also said like in the semi-final, I can't quite, they may have been playing Crescent. I think he decided the game with a jackal tur- turnover and on his own five. Like he's just a really well-rounded player. And I'm excited by him just from having seen him play in school. I don't, I'm not saying he has to go on to become the greatest player to ever play the game. He doesn't have to be Christian Cullen reincarnated. But it's just great to see Munster giving opportunities to guys who so recently played schools rugby. They did the same with Ruan Quinn last year. Like he he played against the Dragons. If I'm, or no, sorry. He played against um, Zebra, was it, in Musgrave Park start of last season? I think he came on. And it's just, it's a marked difference from the previous reign. Like, there were good aspects to Johan van Graan's reign as well, don't get me wrong. But this infusion of young players and actually taking the brakes off or 
um, taking the stabilizers off and just throwing them in there. It's cause for optimism for Munster in the long term, really, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And it's so empowering for those young players because they can see the amount of young players before them who've who've got their chance and, and stepped up. So, you know, they know that that pathway is there. And like you said, Munster, they've just been so good at identifying that young talent and, and giving them their chances. And like, I think it is important to remember that it didn't go so smoothly at the start of last season and we were having some kind of difficult conversations around Munster and, and round, round three start there. But like they, they backed these lads and they gave them their chance and they kind of grew into things as the season went on. They've maybe got a little bit more leeway to do a bit of, more of that this year because they're probably a couple of years ahead of you know the, the plan they would have set out when they came through by, by winning the URC last year. But it's it's just hugely exciting. When you think of the players that they have to come back from World Cup duty, when you kind of balance that against the amount of guys who have kind of come into the team in the last year or two and are kind of building that bit of ex- that bit of experience, and then you've another layer below that now, which is the guys who are pushing through this year. And yeah, like O'Connor, he's someone who was kind of just lighting up social media on on that run that you were talking about when he was playing schools rugby it seemed like there was a clip of him coming up every every weekend but um yeah he's a hugely exciting prospect and i think these guys know that once they get their shot in this team it's not it's not the be all and end all there'll, there'll be another chance there because the coaches kind of believe in them they know that these guys aren't just going to land into the team and just take off and it's all smooth sailing so it's a huge opportunity for him tomorrow He's a hugely exciting player and um, yeah, he looks like somebody who could have a big future there, hopefully. First start for Sean O'Brien, who would play on the right wing to begin with for Munster, a uh, new arrival from Exeter. And the two new signings from the Chiefs as well make their uh, first competitive starts. Alex Nankaville in midfield and a young fellow called John Ryan making his third debut for Munster against the Dragons. That one's at quarter past five on Saturday. The Interpro is a little bit later on, 735 and then you have Leinster who kick off the weekend at home to Edinburgh at the RDS, Kieran. Only one change there. James Colhan comes in for Reese Rullock and that's actually the perfect place to start because what have you made of Colhan since he's made that step up from academy slash Ireland under 20 level where he certainly wowed us a couple of Six Nations ago? Yeah, he certainly did. He was really impressive for the, the Ireland under 20s who are getting um, a lot of airtime on this, on this pod today, aren't they? But uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just... Um, Again, he's just another guy who's just got this really kind of nice athletic profile and, and he's powerful and you're thinking of his age and thinking of what he can what he can add to that in a couple of years with a bit of kind of experience and maybe building on a bit more size and the type of player he can become. And it's just, again, it's just another young player who's hugely exciting. And I mean, we see it time and time with Leinster, these guys pushing through and they just kind of slot in and they hit the ground running and they kind of look like they've, they've been there for a couple of years already. And he's made really positive impact so far. Um, it's good chance from this week again now. Like it's a, it's a good Edinburgh team. Um, it'll be a bit of a kind of step up again, I think. So he's in he's in a strong back line with Scott Penny and Max Deegan, like guys who've, you know, been there and done that for a couple of years. He'll have plenty of experience around him. Um, a pretty strong Leinster pack in general really but uh yeah a huge opportunity for them and like you're I'm just trying not to repeat myself too much because we're talking about so many young players but he just looks like a guy you can really 
kick on this year and kind of add a few more layers to his game and sort of take that next step in his development. And who's there again but Dylan Donnellan, who isn't even especially young, I don't believe. I think he's 27, 28, Donnellan, but he's been absolutely lighting up the AIL uh, for Clontarf over the last couple of years. With the 42, we get uh, uh, an AIL rap sent to us at the weekends with all the results and really detailed reports of the games. And anytime you read a Clontarf game, like Donnellan has scored at least one try, obviously made his debut last weekend and it's an amazing story. But the fact that actually he's on the bench again, Kieran, just, I love the idea of the fact that you can plug away at AIL and really stand out at that level for quite a long time. You don't necessarily have, have to be an academy player while doing that. You can just be standing on your own two feet, so to speak, and be good enough that if your province needs you, you get called up. I'm not saying it's completely novel. You'd have like Neil Cronin at Munster, for example, and there've been other examples as well. But at Leinster, where the conveyor belt of talent has been so prolific for a guy from Galway, incidentally, to get a chance and go and play for them at Hooker has been one of the stories of the season so far, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it's you can only imagine the lift that that gives somewhere like a club like Clontarf to see one of their guys who's been so important for them for the last few years get that recognition. And, you know, again, it's not just you're there to plug a hole because he made he made an impact and he's he's back in the squad again. So he's slotted in well and, and made a strong impression. And he's obviously doing the right things behind the scenes at Leinster there as well to keep himself in the mix. So it's great because, as you say, you, like it's not novel, but it doesn't happen very often. And yeah, particularly at a place like Leinster where we kind of, you can tend to think there's kind of one route into that squad and yeah. that's to come through the schools and get in there young and build your way through there unless you know, you're a big name overseas signing. But to be able to kind of stick at it in the AIL, play good rugby, you know, be consistent, be an important player for your club and then a couple of years down the line, Leinster can come calling and you can get your shot in the URC is is fantastic. And it was brilliant to see him get his to get to see him get his chance and to see um and to see how well he, he slotted in. You know, it, he didn't look like a fella who was being plucked from one level and thrown into the deep end. You know, he 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 played well like and he and he's earned his place in the squad again. So yeah, it's a brilliant story. It's been one of the most, I suppose, heartening stories, I guess, um, across the early rounds. And yeah, we, it would be nice to see more of it happen because, um, yeah, we don't see a lot of it. Yeah, I think more of it may happen just in light of this, to be honest. And uh, long may that continue. It's important to tighten those bonds between provinces and clubs. And it does feel like the provinces are making that effort as well, to be fair, doesn't it? Like, we've probably discussed it on the Monday pod a few times with Birch and certainly even anecdotally, I'm sure, we and a lot of listeners would have examples where clubs would be people at clubs would feel a little bit disconnected from the provinces for various reasons it does feel as though some of those ties are either tightening or new bridges are being laid across between the two if that makes sense yeah absolutely and it that's it it shows you that you know Leinster are keeping a close eye on the L and watching these players and watching these guys and they're on the radar because from the outside sometimes I think there can be a perception that the AIL is almost a bit of an afterthought for the provinces. But it's something that Leinster in particular, I think, have been kind of pushing the last few years. They've made a big deal about going out to different clubs around Leinster and kind of getting involved in the kind of grassroots part of the game again and having these open training sessions at, in places like they went down to Tullow, they went down to Longford, I think they went down to Navan as well. And just getting out there and being seen in 
you know, clubs outside of the big clubs in Dublin and trying to build that connection again, um, which is important. And it, I think it goes back to a couple of years ago um, when they lost the uh, URC semi-final at home in the RDS um, and there wasn't a big turnout. It was after they'd lost the Champions Cup final, um, if I have the year right in my head. And yeah, there wasn't a big turnout at the RDS. And I remember kind of Leo Cullen talking about how important it is to keep kind of supporters engaged and keep you know build that connection and and since then that's when Leinster have really started going out to the clubs again they've made a big deal about getting a kind of um I think a better atmosphere at the RDS they have a kind of supporters kind of what you call it like a like a setup where you can go and there'll be player interviews before the match and it's a place to go and have a drink after and there might be a bit of music and stuff and just keep people in the stadium keep people around and they've made a kind of big push on building that connection with their supporters again and yeah, things like seeing a guy come out of AIL and get a shot only only, only adds to that, really. Sure does. So you're back in Connacht. Uh, you don't fancy an upset in either Cork or Dublin, do you? No, I don't. I don't. I think the Leinster-Edinburgh game could be interesting. Um, like, it's strong. It's a strong Edinburgh team, and there's a few there's a few little um, battles there that'll be interesting to watch. Like, the, the, the two 10s kind of stand out, really. Harry Byrne and... Ben Healy starting for Edinburgh, two guys that we've spoken about a lot down the years in terms of Ireland's succession plans. It'll be, um, yeah, Byrne gets a shot again and, and it's it's a big season for Ben Healy after making the move over there and he'll be really determined to impress in Dublin. So, yeah, it'll be a, I think it'll be an interesting game, that one, but I would expect Leinster to have enough to get through. When you look through the squad, like there's so much experience there, like Charlie Natai's back in again, obviously. Kieran Frawley continues a fullback for the third game in a row, which is interesting as well. Um, and even on the bench, it's a young enough bench, but there's guys there who are making an impact again when they come in. Sam Prendergast had some lovely touches when he came in last week, and we're certainly going to see more of him this year. And even someone like Rob Russell, who doesn't get a whole lot of attention, like what an option he's just proven to be for Leinster. He had two tries last week, and that's now 12 tries in 19 caps, which is just, you know, a great strike rate. He's. Another one to watch to just see if he can kick on a bit more this year because he's 24 now. He's about to hit the 20 cap mark for Leinster. This will be his third full season. They've no shortage of back three options, but he's a guy who just keeps getting over the try line and coming on in games like this and making an impact. So, yeah, I think there's a nice balance to that squad. Reese Ruddock, the experienced member on that bench, but um, I think they'll have enough to get over the line, yeah. yeah. Come here. Thanks a million for joining us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. What else would you do on the day off? Murray never talks this much hurling with me either, so I'll have to get on with you more, Gav. <laughs> he is a closet hurling fan, Murr, and a Leeds United fan. He just doesn't have um, he just doesn't have time to really articulate his, his passions for both. But yeah, no, much appreciated. Yeah, there's no there's no closet about his Leeds support. He's, well, he's out true. and out Leeds. That's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> Top man, we'll catch you soon. All right, see you, Gav. Thanks. Thank you, everyone at home as well. Enjoy the games over the weekend. Enjoy the weekend generally. We will be back on Monday for the 42 subscribers. Go to the 42.ie forward slash extra. You can find out about those extra podcasts with Bernard Jackman, with Owen Toolan midweek as well. And you can sign up and join us. Uh, until Monday for subscribers, until next week for non-subscribers. Take Put care. The boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Driver's got names for the two double barrels. Fish out, bricks out, only smokes carols.